appreciate everybody being here. And I promised you that if you'd sing good, I'd preach fast. Amen. And uh, you didn't really do too good. So, <laughs> no, I'm going to try to preach fast. First Timothy chapter one, we just got in this thing. Paul is, is under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. God is giving us his word through Paul to Timothy, a young preacher. And he's telling him all kinds of things that preachers need to know. And it's going to get into all kinds of stuff. The qualification for preachers. It's going to get into every subject you can possibly imagine that a church gets into. And we're going to have a lot of fun. I'll tell you what he talks about making money. He talks about how you dress. He talks about how you operate. He talks about everything in here. Boy, we're going to have fun. Just hang around and be here and don't miss it. Amen. The one the devil tries to rob you of is one you really ought to be here for. And that's the way it works out. Amen. Well, we got down last week somewhere in verse 12 uh, there, and he, we started verse 11, said last week, according to the glorious gospel, boys, put up this up on the wall if you don't care, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. I preached on the fact that well, what an amazing thing that God commits the gospel to our trust. Now, verse number 12, then Paul said, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. And that's the way it works. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You ought to thank God for any way that he lets you serve him in this life because he's the one enabled. That enablement is talking about the grace that he gives us to do what God called, me, called us to do. Let me just tell you, I'll just tell you from personal experience, I could not imagine myself getting up in front of people and preaching. I just could not imagine. But I'll tell you, when, God got, when I surrendered, God gave me the grace I needed and he's been giving me grace every day, every week since then. And then he said this, he counted me faithful. Now, I don't get that. I, I'm not faithful, but he is. He put me in ministry. Verse number 13, who before was everything. I'm not going to, Paul was honest and told you everything he was. I I ain't going to tell you everything I was, who, but, but you can just take it who was before and fill in the blanks for yourself. Amen. Who was before a blasphemer, persecutor, injurious, and I obtained mercy. And by the way, that's how you get saved is by mercy. Amen. Mercy of God saves you. You, you, you. We're here preaching the gospel to you that Jesus Christ died in your place for your sins. That's the only way they can be paid for, that if you place your faith and trust in him, believe on him as your savior, receive him, be converted to Christ, then believe on him and receive him as your savior. God will forgive you and give you mercy. It's not how good you live and all that kind of stuff. God forgives you through his mercy. He said, I obtained mercy. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And we talked about that. Then we talked about this a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. And I want to say something to you this morning. You'll never get saved until you admit you're a sinner. You'll never get saved until you admit you're a sorry, low-down, hell-deserving sinner. And you just well get honest about it. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. Quit saying, because I don't do drugs, well, I'm okay. Because I don't drink, I'm okay. Because I don't fornicate, I'm okay. Because I don't commit adultery, because I don't watch porn, because I don't do this and do that. I'm going to tell you, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And we're here to give you good news. You don't have to die and go to hell. You can, uh, you can be freed from the wrath of God and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Just say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm preaching. You don't like my preaching. Just spend time praying. Amen. Say, God, save me while that guy's, uh, till that guy gets, save me while that guy's preaching. Anyway, and he'll do it. Amen. 
And he said, uh, verse number 16, How be it for this cause? Here he said again, I obtained mercy that in me, first Christ Jesus might show forth all long suffering. Hey, how many knows that God's long suffering to put up with you? Amen. I tell you what, I'm glad God was long suffering with me. But before I say it, then he's still long suffering with me. And I'm thankful for that. And he said, God, Paul said, I'm a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And that's talking about you and me. Those who got saved after him and, and he said, have life everlasting. By the way, you get saved, you get eternal life. That's what God gives you. Now, he's going to do something with Timothy here. Boy, it's hot in here. I mean, he's hot besides me. Open the windows, open the doors. Let them sinners come inside. Wong, wong, wong. Man, it's hot. I'm going to take my pistol off, and then I'm going to take my coat off. I don't want to walk around that pistol hanging, but I've got it close. Just that quick, okay? <laughs> All right, anyway. <laughs> oh, boy, that's rough, ain't it? Amen. But anyway, look. Now, here's something. Timothy, going to just get to this. Paul's going to give Timothy something as a minister of the gospel that he's going to need every day of his life and never forget it. And that's who he's serving. If you're not careful, you don't even remember who you come to church about. You thought you come to church to make mom and dad happy. Maybe you did. If you did, you come for the wrong reason. You came to church because there wasn't anything good to watch on TV. Or you came to church because you already killed your deer. I tell you, there's a girl sitting in the back killed a buck bigger than I killed, and I don't like it. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like it. You, ain't, you shouldn't kill a buck bigger than me. No, I was glad for you. That's nice. Did you rub it in on your brother? She, she did. I figured it. Yeah, poor little boy. He got a little button buck, did he? Okay. He got a dough, and you got the eight point, right? <laughs> I'm just teasing you. We got, I got to preach. But anyway, I'm glad for you. But some of you here, just because you killed your deer, or if you, if you hadn't killed your deer, you'd still be out there, oh, God, give me a deer. And he got, oh, anyway. But he's going to tell him something, so I'm going to remind you who you came to church about. I'm going to remind you who you're, who you're serving, and you better keep this in mind all the time. You're not serving the denomination, Timothy. You're not serving us, these other people, Timothy. The, the primary person you're serving is the king. Amen. Now, what's this. He said, now unto, this is one of the wildest verses in the entire Bible. Paul said, now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm telling you what, you talk about a cannon shot off the ship to the shores of this earth. He said, you better remember, Timothy, because if you don't remember who you're serving, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get ticked off. You're going to get sidetracked. You're going to get deterred. But if you remember what, who this is all about, the king, it'll keep you lined out. Now, Jesus Christ is the king. Now, the first time Jesus came, there was a cross. But the next time he's coming, there's going to be a crown. And one thing that us, we need to do and I need to do and you need to do is be reminded like Paul reminded them about our Savior is not just a Savior and a shepherd. He is a king. Amen. Amen. He's a king. Now, nobody voted him in, nobody voted him in and nobody's voting him out, right? It's, it's, we're not in a democracy or a republic. We're in a monarchy and Jesus Christ is the king. Amen. And you and I don't even get to vote about it. Amen. 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 He's the king. 
you got a bunch of Christianity in America that acts like God is some kind of arbitrary deal I can make deals with and tell him what I want, what I don't want, when I don't want it. And how, you know, I'm telling you something right now. You say you better get something down. You came to church this morning to worship Jesus Christ. He's the king. He is the king. He's not the president. He's not the governor. He's the king. And you better get your attitude right toward the king. Amen. Now listen, in Genesis 1:26, God told Adam, he said, Adam, I want you to have dominion over everything. He put Adam in dominion. Dominion is a monarchy word. It's a king word. It's I've got you. I want you to have dominion over this. You're going to be under me, Adam, and you're going to have dominion over this. Satan comes in through Eve, Eve to Adam, and Adam forfeited his dominion over this earth. And with it came the curse. Now, so Satan became the kind of the temporal and locational dominionist. And the Bible calls Satan the little G God of this world. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the prince of polity and the prince of Persia. Now in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God establishes the fact of the two seeds. The one seed is of the serpent and the other seed is of the Savior. But both of them are, one of, are, are, are going to be a battle over who's going to be king. There's a battle this morning over who's going to be king in your life. You're going to have a king, can I tell you? You're going to serve a king. You mark it. You'd have never done your own thing, and you're never going to do your own thing. You're going to have a king, amen. And you're going to serve Satan. Now, by the way, that takes me to Genesis chapter 14, where the first time the word king is mentioned in the Bible. The law of first mention tells you you want to really study that one close. And in Genesis 14, you have two kings. One is the king of Sodom, and the other is the king of Salem. One of them, by the way, that'll tell you everything you need to know about this queer crowd, this Sodomite crowd, the king of Sodom. Who's behind sodomy? Satan. He's the king of the Sodomites. Come on, don't be chicken out there. Say amen. I'll take the cussing. You just say amen. All right. Now, but there's the king of Salem and the king of peace. The Sodomite king wanted to buy him off with materialistic goods. Abraham, I'm talking about. Abraham, he wanted to buy Abraham off. Abraham said, I will not take from thee so much as a shoe latchet from you, lest you say I made Abraham rich. Hey, watch this. Abraham chose a king that day. He rejected the king of Sodom, and he received the king of Salem, Melchizedek. Melchizedek is an Old Testament, at least forerunner, if not a personage of Jesus Christ himself. Because the book of Hebrews tells you that Jesus Christ is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, and he was king of Salem and king of peace, and he's, a, and he's the king now. So you have these two kings, and you're going to choose a king today just like Abraham did. Now this morning, either Jesus Christ is your king or Satan is your king. That's just it. You don't, you don't do your own deal. You're serving one or the other. Genesis 49, 10 tells us of the prophecy of the king. It's because this that is going to come from the tribe of Judah, that the scepter, that's a king's ruler rod, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. That Shiloh is a person, is a title of Jesus Christ the Messiah. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 through 16, there's a prophecy of a king through the lineage of David. It would be a house, a family through David. 
it would be a throne to, in this kingdom. There would, it would be a kingdom and the kingdom would last forever. That's in 2 Samuel 7. In Psalms 24, there's a prophecy concerning the king that's coming back to Jerusalem. And it talks about the gates of glory being opened up. And who is this king that's coming in? And five times in that passage, in three verses, it says, let the king of glory come in. Let the king of glory come in. Can I say something to you? The best day of my life is January 24, 1982. In an old time revival service where the Holy Ghost of God knocked on my door and said, you need to let the king of glory in. Amen. And some of you this morning, your problem is you want a savior to keep you out of hell, but you don't want a king that you serve. Amen. You don't want a king that tells you what to do with no questions asked. Amen. We want a savior, Jesus, who we tell what we're going to do and how we're going to live instead of a king that sets the rules. Amen. Now in Psalms chapter 89, the Davidic covenant is renewed and is told how David is going to have a throne and how his heir was set upon it. In Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 5 and 6 there's a prophecy about a king and a lord that would, he's our righteousness and he'll reign forever. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 the Bible said that the virgin shall conceive and the child will be called Emmanuel that is God with us. Now I'm going to tie two things together today that you need to get. This is doctrinal this is serious business. It'll straighten out your Christianity and your walk with God. And that is that God with us means that the God that you and I serve is a God king. Get that down. He's not just a little Weasley somebody that come along to help you out in life. He's not the picture you saw hanging up on the church that looked like a queer with hair down to his shoulders. He's not the Weasley Jesus that the left and the liberals turn in and carve him out to be everything they want him to be. This God, Jesus Christ, is also king of the universe. And every knee shall bow to him and every tongue shall confess to him that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now let me tell you something today. I don't know whether you've already knelt your knee to Jesus Christ and confessed him as your Lord and Savior and your King but you're going to someday. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. These BLM rioters going around the Antifat hey I got good news for you that Chucky Schumer, Nancy Pelosi and, and, Bill, and Joe Biden are all all going to kneel before Jesus Christ and they're going to confess him as king of kings and lord of lords whether they like it or not amen I'm not talking about let me tell you something you reject him you're going to do something with Jesus Christ you're going to receive him or reject him if you reject him you're in big trouble you're going to bust hell wide open and be in eternal torment because God is not messing around he's made it where you can be freely saved through the shed blood the sacrifice the substitution of his son and you reject his son, you're in trouble with God. Amen. The Bible said the wrath of God abides upon your one heartbeat away from hell. It's not a funny deal. It's a reality. You, hey, the MSNBC, he not, he, they don't want him as king. CNN don't want him as king. Fox News don't want him as king. Public schools don't want him as king. Come on. This whole world rejects him. I'm telling you something. The king's coming. And he is going to rule and reign in righteousness. Now, Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 7, the Bible said there's going to be a king coming. And the king is going to rule eternally. Zechariah 14, 9 says the same thing. When you get up to Matthew chapter 2, guess what? The wise men come to see a babe that was born. 
And you know what they said? Where is the king of the Jews? Where'd they learn that? They learned it from the book of Daniel. Daniel prophesied that and they believed that prophecy. And when they saw that star, they knew the sign and they traveled to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. When you get into Matthew chapter 21, I want to tell you something. The Bible said that Jesus came in on that colt. Do you know what they called him? Your king cometh riding upon the foal of an ass. The Bible said Jesus, that was said in Zechariah back in the Old Testament. He was identified that day as the king of glory coming into Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 27, the, oh, oh a Pilate, you know what Pilate did? Pilate, they didn't want him to do this, but he did it anyway. He put a placard on Jesus' cross, king of the Jews. Even Pilate recognized him as the king. When you get up into John chapter 1 and verse 49, when Mary was visited and the announcement came there in Luke chapter 1, announced Mary was told that he shall reign forever. This child Mary that you're going to have is going to be conceived of the Holy Ghost. It's going to be God with us, God in the flesh, and he's a king. But when you get into John, you find out that Jesus Christ was rejected and the kingdom was postponed and the church came in and the kingdom on this earth is yet to come. But the Bible teaches us in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible said, Behold, I saw a white horse and him that sat on him whose name was faithful and true. And the Bible said he comes down in power and in glory on his vestures dipped with blood. And the Bible said this, he's called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is called a prophet. He's called a priest. But don't you ever forget, he is also called a king. Now, I'm a little bit happy about this morning because I got a king. Amen. I'm not worried about Joe Biden. I'm not worried about Democrats. I'm not worried about the Republicans. I've got a king. Amen. And my king is a coming. Amen. He's called the king of the Jews, the king of heaven, the king of saints, the king of glory, and the king of kings in the Bible. Now, I'm going to give you a little information that the Holy Ghost has given us about our king. I'll tell you, if I've got a king, I want to know what he's like. Amen. And the Bible said, first of all, that in that context of that passage of scripture, he ain't talking about Joseph Smith. He's not talking about Muhammad. He's not talking about Confucius. He's not talking about the president. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Look at it in verse number 12. I thank Christ Jesus. He gets down there in verse 14. The grace of our Lord is abundant with us, which is in Christ Jesus. It's the faith, verse number 15. Faithful saying worthy of acceptation of Christ Jesus. And you get down there and it's all talking about Christ. Well, what you, I'm going to tell you something right now. Hey, you, my Mormon friends all over the country, my Jehovah Witness friends and Muslim friends and all, you need to know something. We got the king. Amen. The Bible says, and if, and if you don't believe this, you're calling God a liar. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the king. I want to identify the king for you. Amen. amen. I want to know who he is. I don't want to get the wrong one. Amen. I want the right king. Amen. This king is God Almighty, Jesus Christ. He's the Savior King. He's the Sacrificial King. He's the Substitutionary King. He's the Shepherd King. He's the Redeemer King. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, do you know what that verse teaches you? It teaches you the deity of Jesus Christ, that Christ is God. And take every Mormon friend you've got to that verse and say, show me how Jesus Christ, it says after it gets done with all that, the only wise God. Amen. Amen. Now, he's not only the Savior King, Jesus Christ, identified, but he's the eternal king. Woo! Glory to God Almighty. He's the eternal king. 
I'll tell you, he didn't come in for four years or eight years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. He's the eternal king. Forever and forever and ever, he is my king. Now, you know what that means? Well, you don't have to go to Hebrew. You don't have to go to Greek. I'll tell you, all you got to do is read good old English, the King James Bible. Amen. How many here smart enough to know what eternal means? Somebody tell me what eternal means out there. Does anybody in this church house know what eternal means? It means forever. It means ain't no end to it. You know what that means? That when the devil's burning in hell and when Lucifer's in hell and when this whole world's burning, he's still going to be king. Amen. I'm telling you right now, we came to worship the king this morning. The wise men said, where's he at? I want to worship him. I'm saying the same thing, but I found him. Amen. I found him at the cross. I found him at the empty tomb. I found him resurrected. Amen. I found him in the word of God. Amen. I want to tell you something right now. He is the eternal king. That means he's from everlasting to everlasting. That means there wasn't no beginning. He never did come from anywhere. Woo! Think about it. You want to blow your mind? Throw your marijuana out in the dump and start reading your Bible. Amen? You blow your mind just to think that Jesus Christ is eternal. There never was a time when he wasn't. That's good to hear Billy English. Amen? And there'll never be a time when he won't be. Amen? He's eternal. We came today to the true living God, the King, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the eternal one. He said unto the King, what? Eternal. Hey, man, now I've got good news for you. The eternal King can give you eternal life. Yes, sir. You know what that means? You never die. Believest thou this, Jesus said. Believe that? You say, well, how's that work? Well, he creates a new man in you when he saves you, new person. Born of the Spirit, okay? And that new man is eternal. He don't never die. He just moves out of the house. Amen. When you die, he just moves out of the house. And Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. If I go away to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. He said, my house are many mansions. I'll tell you something. You'll have, he said, now, beloved, watch this. Now, beloved, are we called the sons of God. Yet it does not appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The Bible said that we'll be resurrected with a new glorified body fashioned as unto his glorified body. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible teaches he's the self-existent eternal one, that he gives eternal life. And by the way, watch this. Because he's the eternal king, he get, he's the author of eternal salvation. I'm going to give you something this morning to make your boots kick off. Amen. Throw your hat plumb in the creek. There is no other kind of salvation except eternal salvation. Jesus doesn't give anybody anything but eternal salvation. He's the author of eternal salvation. So I got news for you that think you can lose your salvation. You ought to throw that in the trash and get the real salvation. If your salvation is not eternal, you ought to get it. Amen. Because he's the eternal father. He's the eternal king and he gives eternal life and he don't give no other kind of life. Amen. Boy, I knew what I'm so happy. I done made the devil mad and I'm glad. Amen. I can tell when the devil don't like what I'm preaching. He don't want you to know the king. He wants you to think it's just another religion and Jesus is a nice guy. Well, no, he's way more than that, amen. He's the king, amen. I'll tell you, some of you need to jump up out of your seat, amen, once in a while and say, bless God Almighty, I'm tired of the devil kicking me around. I'm going to worship the king and let God be ruler of my life. Amen. amen. Now, watch the next thing. He said, immortal. He said, that's my king ain't just eternal. He said, he's immortal. Well, now, Ralph, that's a big word for a hillbilly like me. 
Immortal. What in the world of mortal mean? Well, I went, looked up, brother. Uh, brother, what's his name? It has that 1820 dictionary. And I found out in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 10 that God says that he is immortal. What's that mean? Well, Webster said that it means to have no principle of alteration or decay. He's immortal. He, he never decays. He never alters. He never ceases. He says it means to never cease to live or exist. Jesus said, I am alive forevermore. It, Webster said it means to be exempt from death or annihilation. And this king, watch this, this eternal immortal king gives those he saves immortality. Read your Bible in 1 Corinthians 15. It says that we will be given immortality. That means the body that we're raised with, the life that he gave this new man, spiritual man, the birth, and then the body that's going to give you resurrection is not only eternal, but it's immortal. It's never going to be capable of deterioration or decay. Amen. A new glorified body like in the fashion, like in the body of my Lord Jesus Christ. We have, he will clothe us, the Bible says, with immortality. Ah, some of you Presbyterians ought to shout, amen. (laughs) Look at the next thing. He said he's invisible. 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 He's eternal. He's immortal. But he's invisible. You mean to tell me you're going to serve a king you can't see? You got it. I ain't seen one that I want because of the king. But I'm going to give you something sweet and good. I can see him. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. You can see him. Not with your fleshly eye. That's why salvation is a revelation. God has to open your eyes. How many after you got saved wonder why in the world you didn't get saved before you got saved? Amen. Because your eyes wasn't open, amen. But all of a sudden you saw the Lord Jesus and you saw that he was born of a virgin and you saw that he was God Almighty and the Holy Ghost said, open your eyes and you saw him who is invisible and you saw that he shed his blood and he suffered for you on the cross and he bore your sin and he was burned to take away your sin and he rose the dead to give you eternal life and you saw him glorified saying at the right hand of the Father and you saw him as the shepherd that loves you. You saw him as the one who loved you while you read your sin and God made you see the invisible. The just shall live by faith. See him who is invisible. You say, Reggie, what in the world? Well, I tell you what, there's so much stuff I'd like to preach on, but I ain't got time because Don's income up here and sung, and I made a deal, and I'm going to keep it. <laughs> the Bible said, turn, turn your Bibles, 1 John 3, 16. I want you to look at this. You need to show every Jehovah Witness to every Mormon and every Muslim this verse. John 3, 1 John 3, 16. Just flip the page. Verse 16. And without controversy. You know what that means? Ain't no arguing about it. Ain't no fussing about it. Ain't no discussion about it. Without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what in the world is a mystery of godliness? Well, God, here it is. God was manifest in the flesh. Guess what? Jesus Christ came and died and, and, and was in the flesh. He's the God-man. That's right. 
He's God and he's man. You want to see God? You know what Jesus said? If you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father. You want to see God? Look at Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. He said, God in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in the glory. Did you know that God loved you so much that he allowed his son to take upon himself flesh, become man, live and go through every temptation you've ever been through, and go through the sun and bear your sin, and God allowed him so that you could see God. I'll tell you something. Listen, you talk about something wild. When he said he's invisible, this is something else. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible said in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it said the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Even that is begotten, only begotten of the Father. Oh, listen to me this morning. When you say, you know what the Bible said? He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Did you know the Bible said, Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? Did you know nobody in history, nobody in history has ever to this day been able to convict Jesus Christ or prove that he sinned in any way, thought, deed, or manner? Amen. Amen. He's a qualified Savior. Amen. Well, then the next, it ain't there, but I'm going to give you just a few more just for the fun of it. So put some icing on the cake. He's not only in our text, eternal. He's not only immortal. He's not only invisible, but the Bible teaches us he's Emmanuel. And that means he's God with us. God with us. I'll tell you what I leaned over to my wife this morning about dark 30. And I said, honey, I don't even know why I said it. I said, Karen, Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. I may leave you, but he'll never leave you. Others may leave you, but he'll never leave you. That's about the best thing I know a husband tell his wife. Amen. Amen. Jesus will never leave you. I am telling you something. It's God with us. Did you know that God's with me today? If you're saved, God's with you. God was with us. Jesus Christ in the flesh. I'm going to tell you something right now. Not only is he Emmanuel, but this king is also incorruptible. Now, boy, I like this one. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible calls God uncorruptible. Well... How many thinks that there might be a person in, in political office in this world that's been corrupted? <laughs> How many thinks business people can get corrupted? How many think employees can get corrupted? How many think preachers can get corrupted? I'm going to tell you about our king. He's the uncorruptible God. He said, Reggie, what's uncorruptible? It means he's incapable of being corrupted. Nobody is going to buy Jesus off. Nobody is going to bribe Jesus. Nobody is going to twist him around. He's without deterioration. He's incapable of decay. And his righteousness can never fail. He is sinless. He is stainless. He is spotless. And he is incapable of the tiniest flaw. We have an uncorruptible God. And the Bible describes him as holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. He's uncorruptible. Now watch this. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. I said, he is God with us. He's the king God with us. Now, you say, Reggie, what are you getting to? I'm going to get you to something. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, that when our bodies are raised, we'll be raised in incorruption. This incorruptible God who saw no corruption when he was buried and died the Bible said, Psalms prophesied his body would not see corruption. 
this one who is incorruptible will cause you and I to be incorruptible. You think about that. I'm going to tell you something about this king. The more you study him, the more you see what he does in his kingdom, I'm going to tell you something that will make you shout. I am telling you right now, so the body is going to be raised, it is said, in incorruption. Don, when my body's raised, there'll never be another deterioration. There'll never be another heart attack. There'll never be another eye that can't see good or ear that can't hear good or knee joint out of whack or nothing else. An incorruptible body and without sin. Now, watch this. When God saved you, I had a hard time when I first started preaching because I didn't want to preach stuff wrong. And I would read in First John, it said, he that, if a man say he hath no sin, he deceiveth himself, and the truth's not in him. I didn't have no problem with that. I said, Lord, I, I sin. But again, over First John chapter 3, verse 9, verse 10, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for a seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. And I was like, boy, I don't know about that one there. I was just sure I got born again, Brother Lutz, but I sinned. Now, it sounds like a contradiction in the Bible to I me. Mean, what I didn't understand is what Don's talking about Sunday school class, one of the new man and the old man. The old man is nothing but sin and never will be nothing but sin. But watch this. The new man is created, the Bible said, in true righteousness and true holiness. Now, here's what I want to get to. We have an incorruptible king, Savior, who when he saves you and makes a new man in you, that new man is incorruptible. Mark, that's Bible now. The Bible said he cannot sin, for his seed remaineth in him. If you got saved, God created a new man, a new person in you, and he is incorruptible. Some of you have it. Roll that around. Let that be rolled for just a little while. But it's the truth. If it wasn't true, you couldn't stay saved. Now watch this here. All right. God's incorruptible. Okay. Incorruptible king. He created a new man in me that's incorruptible. He's going to resurrect me a new body that's incorruptible. But he did something else in the Bible this king did that's incorruptible. Jesus Christ is called the Word of God. He's called the Word of God. In the beginning was the capital W Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. First John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, capital W, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one, okay? There, but there's three of them to one. Back in Genesis three fifteen, when we started this message today, I told you there's two seeds. And one of them was the seed of the serpent, Satan, and the other is the seed of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And those two seeds took off through the Bible. But there's also, an, and that's called the physical seed of the king, okay? But there's also another seed. Watch this carefully. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you with something today. I'm going to give you some rest. There's another kind of seed, and it's called the seed of the word. And in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2 or 3, I forget now which it is, he says, chapter 3, being born again, watch this, of incorruptible seed. 
by the word of God. Amen. Now I'll give you people something. Now I'm setting concrete, rebar, dug down 42 foot foundation on this. You're not shaking me. There is a corruptible seed that started back here in Genesis 3.15. And there is the incorruptible seed that started back there in Genesis. Okay? And the incorruptible seed physically is Jesus Christ. And the incorruptible seed writtenly is your authorized King James Bible. Amen. Now I want to tell you a little something. If you plant in another man's heart in, if you plant in another man's heart corruptible seed, you're going to get a corruptible salvation. But if you plant incorruptible seed into a man's heart, you will have, you, it will produce incorruptible salvation. This Bible issue is not a funny deal because it takes you straight back to the very nature of God. Now watch this. If Christ... How many would agree with me that the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the living word? He is literally called the word. How many would agree that Jesus Christ is incorruptible? Immortal. Now you tell me this question. How could an incorruptible God and an immortal God produce a corruptible word? Let me tell you the real source of the problem in America today. It's liberalism and communism and socialism and all this junk is nothing but fruit off of corruptible seed. It has produced corrupted religion. Now I'm going to say this one more time once you get this down hard. Is not Jesus incorruptible king? Is he not immortal? Is he not sinless? Then you tell me how an immortal, incorruptible Savior could produce a corruptible Bible. So now you've got to make up your mind about something. Where is his word? Because if... And and the funny thing about it is the people who are against the authorized version do not believe that any of them are perfect. I'm going to give you some stuff to think about here today. They not only don't believe the authorized version is perfect, they don't believe theirs is perfect. And here's why. They say, well, now watch this. Boy, you talk about wordsmiths. They're wordsmiths. Oh, devil, he's slick. They'll say, well, we believe the original autographs were perfect. But man translated those, and they're imperfect. Okay, first of all, I, the problem with that is that God promised to preserve His 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 incorruptible Word. Okay, now, and they say, "Watch this, man translated that." Now, what they're doing with that—that that may sound like an empty statement to you, but you know what? If you take that to its logical conclusion, you can't trust God. He doesn't keep His word straight. For instance, the NIV calls Lucifer son, uh, 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 son of the morning. Uh, what, and the, only place, the only place the Bible has the name Lucifer, it, calls, it gives it a title of Jesus Christ out of the book of Revelation. Switches Satan to Jesus Christ. Yep. 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 
The verse I gave you, Holy Ghost, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, is out of the NIV. And it's also, I will almost guarantee you, you check any Bible you got, and if 1 John 5, 7 is not there, you, got a, you, have, you have a corruptible seed. And you want to know why our churches are dead and preachers don't have any fire and life in them? And you know why convergence don't happen that changes people's lives? It's because of, of corruptible seed. Now let me throw something at you. Okay, watch this. If God gave the original autographs and they're good, but, all the, but the translations from there are no good, okay, and specifically they point out the King James Bible, and they say, because men translated. But wait just a minute. If those men messed up and God wasn't in that, then how did we know God was in the men who wrote the autographs? Maybe they didn't get it down right. That makes sense? I mean, they're saying over here that these men didn't get it down right, but they're saying that the guys who wrote it in, in the original did get it right. Well, there's all men. And they don't know any of them. They never met any of them. Let me tell you about the Bible issue. It's all about the king. Amen. Immortal and corruptible. He keeps his word and he preserves his word. Because I'm going to tell you something. And, I, and I'm not getting into all the deals today about the verses that's been changed and the doctrines that's been taken out, and the virgin birth, the blood atonement, and on and on it goes and, and so forth. But I will tell you this. These Bibles are vastly, vastly different. You know, what, you know what they really know? You know what they really know? You don't read your Bible. You don't study your Bible. You're, you're, you're just about the same situation the Amish are. You just know the verses that the bishop told you to read. And God's in trouble with the king. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something this morning. He's the king. He's immortal. He's eternal. He's incorruptible. He's invisible. And by the way, he's the only wise God. Now, how many can deduce from that a great truth? The rest of them stupid. <laughs> if, he's the, if he's the only wise God, the rest of them stupid. Now, that's heavenly logic, but that's the way it is. Now, oh my goodness. Oh, it's only 1252, 1252. We're not doing too bad. Some of you stretched out then, didn't you? Just all up. Look at that clock. Let me just give these two quickly. I'm going to let you out in a little bit. He's infallible. Amen. Not the Pope. Pope's not infallible. Sorry to tell you that. He don't know whether we're having climate change or global warming. He can't make up his mind. Infallible means that he cannot sin. He's incapable of sin. It's not possible to sin. There's no errors, those mistakes. No. You know, here's the funny thing about it. Watch this. God, people will say God is perfect. God is sinless. God is all this. And then they talk about his word having mistakes in it. If the God that I serve can't keep his word straight, I don't want to serve him because he ain't God. Amen. He's immutable. Well, aren't these fancy words? You know what that means? He never changes. Same yesterday, today, and forever. God's not changing his word. God's not changing his love. God's not changing his salvation. God's not changing nothing. And let me just say to you another thing about this king. He's exclusive. He's the only wise God. The rest, as I said, are stupid. 
neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. I'll tell you, you may not know one verse. You may not know a thimble of Scripture, but I'll tell you what, you know you're a sinner, know Jesus died for you, and you can get saved. Amen? He's an infinite king. The Bible said forever and ever there in verse 17. And his kingdom, there shall be no end, Luke 1, says. It's an infinite kingdom. And he's a glorious king. The Bible said thine is the glory. Amen? Amen. Let the king of glory come in. He's glorious in wisdom. He's glorious in power. He's glorious in beauty. He's glorious in holiness. He's glorious in war. He's glorious in victory. He's glorious in his death. He's glorious in his resurrection. He's glorious in his creation. He's glorious in his redemption. He's glorious in his grace. He's glorious in his mercy. He's glorious in his coming with ten thousands of his saints. He's glorious in holiness. He's glorious in his praise, in his light, and in his truth. He's glorious in his splendor. And I want to tell you something I look forward to seeing the king. I want to ask you, where are you at with the king? I want to ask you a question. You claimed him as your savior. Did you know you got him as your king? He said, wait a minute, Reggie, I just want the savior. I don't want the king part. Sorry, it ain't working that way. Let me give you some examples. Look at your text. Uh, go down, go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, boys. Look at your text. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, watch this, be honor and glory forever and ever. And then everybody said what? Amen. Amen. So be it. Now watch this. He said this king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, he said we are to honor him and glorify him forever and ever unto him. Now I want to tell you the truth. The Bible said, honor thy father and thy mother. Right? Okay. But I, you know how I learned what honor really means? And I've preached this before, but I'm going to do it again. Let me tell you where I learned honor. Bird hunting. Quail hunting. You got two dogs. Well, they're moving. All of a sudden, one of them goes down on point. It may be a dog 50 foot away from him, but quick as he, and he ain't smelled a bird nowhere. But he sees that other dog go down, he goes down on point. Now, what's he doing? Watch this. He is, and by the way, I've walked with men bird hunting, and this is what they say. Honor, honor. And that dog boy, he'll want to move. Honor. And he stands right there. Pointed in the exact same direction that dog that's got the bird down. Let me tell you missing ingredient in Christianity and maybe in your walk with God. No honor. God says, this is the way, walk ye in it. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he should... How many knows what happens when the second bird dog does not honor the first bird dog? What happens? Flushes the flushes the 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 the, the If you ever want to see a picture of honor, what it means is, is when I see Christ do something, I need to honor it. I don't need to mess it up. So I'm going to ask you these questions today, and we'll go home. Are you honoring God, this King, in your heart? Have you honored Him in your heart by being honest with Him and 
that you sinned against him, your sin is against God, I'm telling you. And you're headed to court. How many saw Kyle Rittenhouse when they read the verdicts? How many felt the tension? I want to ask you this. Can you even imagine the tension of you standing before the throne of Almighty God? And God reads the verdict. Whatsoever things the law says, it says to them that are in the law, that every mouth may be stopped. But God, but God, but God. Every mouth stopped. And all the world become guilty before God. Today is a day of mercy. You're breathing. You can be saved. But if you don't get saved, you're headed toward the court. You're headed to a just judge, a holy judge, an eternal judge. I'm telling you, it's not a funny matter. But I ask all of us today this. Are we honoring God with our heart? Is God honored in your home? Are the shows that's being shown in your home, are they that would honor the Lord? The movies, the broadcasts, are they things that would honor Christ? The things that we're watching on our phones, do they honor God? In your marriage, are you honoring God? I say that this way. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Are you honoring that? Wives, be in submission to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Are you honoring that? Your mind, does it honor the Lord? In your job, are you honoring the Lord? In your business, does your business honor the Lord? Does your entertainments, the places you go, honor the Lord? Does your wardrobe honor the Lord? I wonder if Christ came today and said, walked into your house. I wonder where the first place he'd go. Can I tell you the first place to go? You're not going to go to your living room. You're going to go where the secret things are in your house. And I can tell you, I'm going to tell you, because he don't mess around, he goes straight to the problem. If God was to walk into your closet, are you honoring Christ the way you dress? I'm going to tell you something. I don't know when I'm going to die. I'm ready, but I'm not ready to go now. I'm ready to die, but I don't want to die. I'd like to live as long as God wants me to live. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Do you want, I want to ask the church something. Do you want me to fold up? Do you want me to compromise? Do you want me to get away from the Word of God and say, I, I want to make everybody here happy. So I'm not going to preach on controversial things. Is that what you want? I'm telling you, the Lord's been dealing with me. Reggie, in this area of your life, are you honoring me? In this area of your life, are you honoring me? I am the king, and I am worthy of your honor and your obedience and your worship, and I'm the king. I want to tell you something about the king. When he comes back, Revelation 19, 11 through 16, he says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Did you get that? You're going to do it whether you like it or not. This is not God's suggestions. He is going to reclaim what, what Adam lost. And he's going to rule with a rod of iron. If he'd have said a rod of wood, that'd been bad enough. A rod of iron means no toleration for nonsense. 
no tolerance. I'm going to tell you something. Can I just tell you? Our schools don't honor Christ. You want to know what's wrong with America? It's not Washington. It's who we're sending to Washington. It's what we're, we're prepping to send to Washington. I mean, you, you, show me a, you show me a public school in this world that's got anywhere Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Kids, honor, the G, honor Jesus Christ. Why, that ACL be up there and the, and the school board members would get on their knees and beg them not to sue them. Oh, don't sue us. We don't believe Jesus is King. Please don't sue us. That's what this country's made a bunch of cowards. Do you know why evolution is taught in our schools? Because we let it be taught. It's because Jesus is not our king. We just talk it with our mouth. Put up, put up Ezekiel 33, 31. I'm going to show you something. Is Jesus your king? He said, is our motives, is he king of our motives, our activities, our attitude? I want you to watch this. Everybody look up here. I'm telling you right now, I want you to look at this. This is God's word. This is what happened to Israel. And they come unto thee as a people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people. And they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth, they show much love. Oh, Jesus, we love you. But with their heart, goeth after their covetous. You know what they said? We're going to do what we want to. We're going to go to church, and we're going to put on the dog, but we're going to do what we want to. And Jesus, you are not king. And they went into captivity. Because they said, we love you, Lord. We just don't think you can tell us how to live. And God sent them into captivity over it. Not funny. On her today, now listen to me. I'm not up here preaching, go home and live perfect. I'm not up here today preaching that you and I could be sinless. We need the grace of God. I'm chief of sinners. But I can tell you one thing. There is something in my heart, says Reggie. The day comes when you love him enough to want to obey him and make him your king. It's going to be a happy day in your life. As long as you feel like that living for Christ is just a pain and and I can't do everything I want to do. There's just a heart problem is what it is. And I can't fix that. Only God can fix that. And my prayer is that we will never forget what Paul told Timothy. He's not just a savior, Timothy. He's king. Amen. Eternal. Immortal. Invisible. The only wise God to whom, unto whom it glory and honor forever and ever. And that's who you're serving, and don't you ever forget it. Because let me tell you something. When we forget that, we become idolaters. We become, we become our own little gods, deciding what we believe is right or wrong. A lady commented on my post yesterday on the Rittenhouse trial, and I'll be done. And uh, she was ticked at me, which is fine. She said, uh, you Christians... You're not supposed to kill. You're violating your own faith by supporting that jerk, something of that nature. Your Bible says thou shalt not kill, and yet you're supporting that guy. And I answered her back. I don't hardly ever do that. But I said, ma'am, since you brought up the Bible, something along this lines, I said, it's evident you haven't read very much of it. 
because the Bible that you're quoting teaches us that we have a right to defend our homes and our properties even unto death. And it's not very far from the verses that you're relating to about thou shalt not kill. But I'm not going to look it up for you. I'm not going to tell you the reference. You look it up if you really care about this issue and you want to know the truth. You know what she told me? I ain't looking it up. You see, there's the attitude. I don't care what God's word says. The only way I'll use God's word is if I can use it for my own stuff. Let me tell you, that's dangerous ground. But I want to ask you this. Do we not do the same thing? Do we not pick and choose? Do we not get obstinate and say, well, I just don't see the Bible that way. Why don't you? Stuff's pretty clear. I'm just telling you this morning, he's king. Well, we went from shouting nearly to pouting, didn't we? Went from shouting to pouting. But I still love you, and God still loves you, and he wants you to hear this message today. Amen? And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home and say, bless God Almighty, glory to the King. Amen? Amen. And so that's what all I got preached for you today. I'm going to tell you, if you're here today and you're lost, I'll be up here at the front a little bit. You say, I want to be saved. Talk to you about me. He said, I'll take my Bible show you how to be saved. You don't have to die and go to hell. But other than that, I guess we'll just stand. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Did his life and atonement for sin and open the life gate all may go in. I just want to say to